0: Only when I have ceased to breathe will I be dead. I have led the entire
1: human race to ruin. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. This is a chopper!
2: You have been a good boy. Have a lollipop.
3: Yes, that was the speech. It was dumb. It was obvious. It was pointless. It was short.
1: I, I loved, loved it! Welcome to film logic a podcast about the movies of yesterday, today, and tomorrow with all the fandoms in between. I am your host, Mike, and I'm with my co-host, Adam. Adam, how are you doing?
0: Oh, baby, I'm super, I'm doing good. I'm super psyched for this episode. I mean, I always love episodes where we get to do a bit of a a deep dive into anything and everything movies. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I'm i psyched for this one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I came away without spoiling anything. I came away saying there's two things I want you to know. And that is how I have underestimated DreamWorks. And second, I want you to know how much I hate Norm of the North. Uh, That
2: awful, awful kids movie. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I... You know, I I really do think that you know the um that a lot of people rightly or wrongly kind of treat DreamWorks as you know Disney's or Pixar's little brother, mm-hmm. but um you know I, I think if you take the hits um and you go head to head, toe to toe, I think it's a lot closer than people think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to talk about those numbers in a little bit. Um, it, it's we're, I'm going to blow your mind, because I've blown my own mind. <laughs> and the numbers, they tell a story. Some of that story is sad. Some of that story is, is uh, inspirational and hopeful. Mm-hmm. But we'll get all to that in the second half. Adam, did you yeah. know that... We're part of the RetroLogic Network, and we're not just a Mm -hmm. podcast, but we are a bunch of good-looking gals and guys on a Discord.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: We are young, hot singles in your area and married (laughs) people.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, I I can't think of a, a more handsome or beautiful or dashing uh you know elegant group of people than um this discord community
1: yep haven't seen a single one in real time, but I'm sure they are gorgeous <laughs> i mean
0: yeah i I totally and completely agree you know mm-hmm. i um yeah so if you're if you're interested in anything you know related it doesn't even have to be movie related you know if you love. You know, even if you love just snacks or talking about music or, you know, classic or modern video games, we, we got a, a thread for you and we'd love for you to, to join us.
2: Retro Logic, where fine retro things are sold. Or Discord. Yeah. All
1: right. Shop Talk over. Absolutely. Well, I say we jump right into the topic, the meat of our show.
0: Oh, yeah, baby. No more potatoes.
1: Yep. So, uh, November, we kind of, uh, we dedicated to animation, and last year was Pixvember, where we looked at Pixar. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now we're kind of going in the opposite direction. Um, We're talking about non-Pixar hits. <laughs> um, we're talking about a, a studio that might have been on the bottom shelf while everyone was getting excited about Toy Story. This one was kind of climbing the ranks. Um, we're talking about DreamWorks. Yeah. And how, what they added to cinema. I want to know does it compare to Pixar or is Pixar just in a league of its own and everyone can just
2: sit and dream. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I I think it's a, I think it's a very valid question, Mike. And I'm, I'm glad that we're able to, you know, get into it Mm -hmm. because I, I think if you would ask the, you know, the average Joe on the street, like, you know, which, which studio, which animation, American animation studio, do you think has, you know, the best movies? I think naturally people, respond um you know pixar and i mean of course like it it makes sense you know for you know you got your your toy stories and you got your monsters Inc. and you got your Mm -hmm. finding nemos and stuff um but i would argue and i I think mike would too you know you you take the you know the top five you know five to ten you know dreamworks movies and put those against the top ten you know Pixar movies, and I, I really do think there's a conversation to be had, and it's it's a lot closer than people think. And you know the uh, of course you know you know there are some stinkers in there, right? Of course, like trolls and the boss <laughs> baby. Um, right. But well. it, but you know there's there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of good there's a lot of good stuff in there,
4: mm-hmm. incredible
0: stuff.
1: Yes. One thing I love about talking about movies is how, like, what's, especially with animated stuff, is like, what is the story and the expectation? Like, Pixar always gave us this expectation that something is going to be, like, a slice of life, relevant. Kids love it for some reason, uh, but parents are the ones that get the most value out of it, so it feels like an experimental art piece that uh, captures the human spirit. You know, that's that's Pixar. No matter what they do, that's the feeling that you get. And then, like, everyone else, like, their stuff kind of feels like, you know, we're catering to wackiness. <laughs> we're, we're catering to fart jokes. We're catering to, you know, we, we want to get the inner third grader inside of you to rejoice. Right. Or at least that's what it felt like when you talk about, like, Illumination, DreamWorks. Sure. And, but, you know, like, what would you say, you I know, mean, we're talking mm-hmm. about DreamWorks, what would you say DreamWorks was, is trying to capture with their movies? Because, like, you know, the studio mm. probably has, like, a, a an idea of what they want to capture.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I... I I think to talk about DreamWorks, I think you first need to talk about Disney and Pixar, and Mm -hmm. I think Disney and Pixar, um, their goal is to talk about adult themes but through Mm -hmm. a childlike lens, Mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense. So being able to talk about big scary concepts like, um, you know, like an Inside Out, right? What does it mean? What, what do our emotions mean, right? Or, yeah. um, or the, you know, the movie up, right? What does it look like? Um, you know, how do how do we deal with death and how do we deal with, you know, moving on and, and creating a life of our own and, you know, celebrating memories of past, but while, while not being trapped in our, our, our past and letting go of that and creating our own future. So it's like these really big concepts, you know, finding Nemo of fatherhood and loss and, so I think these. It they, Pixar's goal is to, to deal with these really big, scary concepts, but through the lens of of a child, and, and and trying to talk about these things through through that. And I think that's great, and that's wonderful, and I I think that they've been very successful at that. Um, but DreamWorks, I think, is you know, and speaking as someone that works, um, you know, with children and um, mm-hmm. as their as their day job, um, I I definitely do think Pixar kind of definitely leans more into the, the ideas of like childlike innocence. Whereas DreamWorks is like, no, like kids are smarter than we give them credit and mm-hmm. um, they catch on to things more, more easily. And I, I think that we, you know, we can, you know, doing humor and funny things um, and, and, and not, you know, and not um, necessarily shying away from that, but like
4: mm-hmm. almost the
0: idea of like embracing the inner kid and but in a in a way that's like bigger and grander. Um I think DreamWorks is, is more about taking um you know like those similar like big grand ideas and adventures um mm-hmm. and stories um but then telling them through a a slightly older I, I think like DreamWorks is like shooting for ages you know eight to eight to fourteen, like that's the, the rating level if you will. You know, as opposed to like you know, with Pixar, you know, they're going for you know, six to you know, six to twelve. If that makes sense,
4: mm-hmm. right?
0: Um. Um. But yeah, so I, I would say that DreamWorks is about, um, yeah, it's about telling these big, huge, big, grand stories of adventure. Um. But from the perspective of of people that are, um, almost like unexpected heroes, if that makes yeah. sense. Yes and they they definitely appeal more to you know the the underdog and um yeah the, the oddballs and stuff like that
1: right yeah like i it's kind of like DreamWorks sees their set as like a a comedian's stand up yeah you know like there's there's these jokes they're like some of them are over the you know over the top, some of them are crazy, but like like near the near the end of their movie if you're lucky you know the stand-up comedian will kind of like tell you a, a heartfelt story right well well like pixar is more like a ted talk right a ted talk that like cuts a few jokes maybe sure <laughs>
2: yeah sure yeah, yeah um yeah i i i totally agree you know i and i,
0: I think also the um I think that the big thing is like uh like Pixar is always going to play it safe, right? Like they're mm-hmm. you know they they don't do anything unless they think it's going to be a home run concept, you know, they don't you know, they don't take they don't take risks. They don't really um you know, like in uh in in, in Dreamworks movies you know they're they're not afraid to drop the the odd innuendo, yeah. You know they're they're not afraid to you know have a couple of penguins hijack a plane like that's right. You know that that's that's all well and good, um. But Disney and Pixar they're like oh, you know Lilo and Stitch, uh, you know they're it's releasing too close to to 9/11 and they hijack a plane so instead of you know just releasing it we're going to change it totally and completely and then just never talk about it again um right right so you know and so yeah so pixar you know they're always going to play it you know the safest route possible um you know whereas trolls will be like yeah like let's play crazy train let's let's mm-hmm. do these you know rock and roll songs that have no business being in a kid tv show
1: yeah. yeah like i don't know Dreamworks feels like the spirit of TikTok expanded over 2 hours like let's have sure. this baby who's naked rolling glitter and like with the voice of will i am you know like <laughs> right that would trend on TikTok but let's make a movie around it you know <laughs> and and you know sometimes they go to crazy town like yeah let's take a bunch of penguins make them feel like they're you know special ops team and have them just do silly things for two hours. Um, and, you know, that's, that's not my market. But, you know, I can see my three-year-old son going like, yep, yep, this movie speaks to me. You know, these are my people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, and I have to bring up the movie that I, I hate more than oh. Sin itself. And that is oh. Norm of the North. And how Norma the North feels like an AI, a broken AI, AI, saw a a DreamWorks movie, and then churned out like every third-grade joke uh, inhumanly possible, you know, and without any like character development, um, you know, without any like substance. Right. And it's 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 just a bunch of like low ball jokes, you know, weird gophers that pee in water tanks and right you know, fart jokes. They make this weird, like out of nowhere, like gay joke. Yeah. Where, you know, they dress up the polar bear like in these like very flashy pants. Yeah. And then someone says uh and now it's time for norm to come out and he looks at his clothes and it's like it looks like i did come out like really right. my god my right. god like is... that's that's yeah
0: uh, you know i'm i'm laughing not at that i think that it's funny but i'm laughing at like the fact that somebody wrote that and they like did that line and somebody thought that that was funny right like yes. that's that's so ridiculous right like that's yeah you like, know and you you always want your comedy to punch up
1: yeah, it's it, it, it's I don't know, I, I bring it up because I feel like those movies are just like people people see what DreamWorks makes and they interpret like they interpret right. and they see what Illumination makes. And I think you told me that, like, you've never liked an Illumination movie and I, I can understand yeah. why. But yeah. like there are third party companies that see that and all the, they don't they don't see story. Sure. they see pee jokes fart jokes and animals with big goofy smiles
0: right and they th- yeah they think that's that's what sells
1: yeah and you know what the sad thing is it probably does sell right it probably does make them money just because you know whoever entertains the children owns the world right sure and like i want to get into some of these numbers
3: yeah, um, yeah let's do it
1: these numbers show us that every movie company should be should be making animated features like live action. Oh, for sure. Is dead because av- almost every Dreamworks movie made at least 2 times what they spent. Oh yeah. So number 1, like what is the most you think you could spend on an animated feature?
2: Oh man,
0: I mean, I I think the the benchmark is like the Mario movie, right? Didn't it spend like 100 million dollars or something, more probably?
1: Well, yeah. Yeah, like Dreamworks spent the most money they spent on their um on, Monsters versus Aliens is a 175 million dollar budget. Right? Which, you know, in Marvel that's called poverty. Chump change, right? Yeah, chump change. So, uh, what what movie? Um, if I if I gave you the movie Ants, Prince of Egypt, El Dorado, and Chicken Run, which one do you think didn't make that money back? That didn't make the money back.
4: Yeah,
2: man, I. You
0: know, I, I think El Dorado is such a such a hit personally but i i don't it definitely it couldn't have been prince of egypt because that that movie won it at least got nominated yeah. to the oscars so i think that that's like that's off um i i think chicken run just because people aren't the necessarily like thought motion isn't everyone's cup of tea um and ants is just kind of like a blatant ripoff of a bug's life Right, right. Ah, uh, man, but I I think Eldorado was made with less money, so it didn't necessarily lose as much money. I I'm I'm going to go with ants, but I could yeah,
1: I could okay. I don't know. I'll go with so ants. So this this story is going to blow your mind. Yeah, yeah. So, first of all, Chicken Run only spent 42 million to make their movie. Sure. But made at least five times that, 227 million. Ooh. And that's like in you know, 90s yeah. money. Yeah, that's like early 2000s, made five times. Mel Gibson, yay. We, we don't hate him yet. <laughs> um, you know, Ants made mm. more than twice as much as they made. That was a $60 million budget. Yeah. Prince of Egypt, we all guessed it. They made at least four times their $60 million budget. Yeah. Uh, Road to El Dorado had the highest budget. $95 million, mm-hmm. only made $65 million.
0: Yeah. Which is such a shame. I mean I, right. I you know I'm not I'm not surprised. Um but I think definitely like El Dorado El Dorado I think was, you know, before before its time. Um like it's you know, it it definitely I think set the stage for um like a lot of a lot of uh animation movies to come yeah. it, it definitely is like uh the the comedy in it um
4: mm-hmm. yeah
0: cuz like it came up before shrek um
4: right
0: and yeah so i i think that there's like a a period of time where there were a lot of movies that were very experimental and ahead of their time you know i think of like Atlantis and you know i think of Treasure Planet and i think of Road to El Dorado and um i also think of Emperor's New Groove i i, I kind of like group all those movies together because you know, they're, um, and, and I think if they had been released, you know, two years later, you know, five years later, they would have been a lot bigger than they are now. But I, I think people definitely look back on El Dorado more fondly than they did at the time, probably.
1: Right. It's one of those movies that like everyone remembers being better but, you know, uh, no one told their friends to go see it when it came out, so it didn't do so well. Um, I feel like the, uh, someone told me that that's what Clue was like when Clue first came out. Like, everyone just thought it was meh, but everyone remembers it as, like, this groundbreaking movie.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: I'll have to check my sources on that.
2: <laughs> right, right.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, and, you know, I, I definitely do think that Um, Road to El Dorado definitely, and you know, this was especially at this time because the people at DreamWorks um, were still kind of in cahoots with Disney. um, Kind of, sort of. And this definitely feels like a Disney-pitched product. Right? Like, it it definitely feels like, oh, this could definitely be like a a Disney movie that came out in the 2000s. Um, Mm -hmm. So... You know, I, I I think that part of it might have been like, like the, yeah. the expectation wasn't quite there yet, right? Like, imagine so, like, so El Dorado mm-hmm. came out in two thousand. The next closest movie was Prince of Egypt, right? So, like, right. imagine, like, you see this, you know, you know, Prince of Egypt, you know, say it like it is, right? Like, it's an yeah. awesome, truly epic story, right? Yeah. Like it's a, a melodramatic, beautiful music, absolutely breathtaking music. The animation is absolutely stunning, like truly an epic movie. You know, one of the, you know, people will say like, you know, the you know, honestly, like the Prince of Egypt is probably on the Mount Rushmore of animated movies, right? It right. has to be. Right. So imagine going from that to Road to El Dorado, right? Like
2: the expectation,
0: right. the whiplash, like it's, it's just not quite there, but um yeah so I I could see why El Dorado didn't necessarily make that much of money but also at the same time I think um those two movies The Prince of Egypt and The Road to El Dorado are mm-hmm. really the the two movies that are so that perfectly encapsulate the the DNA of Dreamworks right Um right it's taking big epic stories but then also with like a humor you know <laughs> Maybe not necessarily for stuff like over the hedge or the B movie, yeah. Um But like, you can see how influential those two movies are in stuff like How to Train Your Dragon, and um, or you know, in uh, uh, the you know the Kung Fu Panda movies, or um, even into uh, stuff like um, like Puss in Boots. Yeah, um, where there it's these big epic stories, or um, Rise of the Guardians.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's like these big epic stories, uh, but there's still like that that core humor to it.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it astounds me at these budgets of these movies. Yeah, because like Prince of Egypt, sixty million to make a movie, right? That's all right. they needed. You know, they and it exploded. So you know. Road to El Dorado comes out and they're like, well, you know, we want to be even bigger. We're giving you 95 million. And, you know, it comes out and it doesn't make the money back. And so chicken run, they're, they're a little bit more safer. They're like, "Ah, take 42 million. (laughs) And that movie explodes, you know, they make, you know, so it's just just so weird. And, and just to look at that, and it's funny, like, you can tell that, like, in the early aughts, the 20 aughts, um, the DreamWorks was on fire because each one of their movies was six, nine digits in the, in the budget. Like, yeah. you know, flushed away, $149 million. Like, that's a lot of British actors <laughs> and rats, you know. I don't remember yeah. that needing a huge budget. Right. Uh, you know, The Crude's 135 million, Rise of the Guardians, 145 million, you know, and all these movies like made double, at least double Right. back. Right. And then like just the last three movies that DreamWorks made, you know, Trolls Band Together made sixty million. You know, they're not even they're not even telling you what they spent on the budget because I think they're ashamed. Um <laughs> You know, you've got Puss in Boots, which is kind of like the odd man out. That did super well um, with a $90 million budget. But then you have right before it, you have the bad guys. And they did well, but they did it all in a $70 million budget. So it's right. weird to think that, like, The Road to El Dorado, 2000, had a higher budget than today's DreamWorks movies. Right. And it's like, was The Road to El Dorado, did it have, like, a a super, like, big mega actor in it, like, that demanded that they use a $95 million budget? Like, was The Rock in it?
0: Um, Let's find out. I uh, I mean, it couldn't have been any bigger than Prince of Egypt with Val Kilmer, Ralph Fiennes, Michelle Pfeiffer, Sandra Bullock, Jeff Goldblum, Danny Glover... Patrick Stewart, Halimir, and Steve Martin and Martin Short. Right. I
1: mean, really? Like, each one of those people could have gotten a million dollars. Like, I feel like they did that movie because they really love the Bible, and they're like, no, keep the paycheck. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, this movie just starred Kevin Kline, uh, Kenneth Brogan, Rosie Perez. Um, Elton John.
1: <laughs> narrated music. by Ellen
0: John yeah yep um both movies music uh hans zimmern uh
1: maybe maybe it went into hans zimmer you know he seems like a steep guy yeah right man prince of egypt had yeah, that i'm gonna
0: i'm gonna have to watch it a little uh, sometime this week that that movie mm-hmm. is that movie is off the chain but yeah.
1: anyways um yeah We had homework assignments, Adam. Yes. And uh, you challenged me to watch a movie, and I just watched it like three hours ago. (laughs) Um, And you have a closet full of information for this, the one series. Yeah. And I have to say, this is the one series that really, like, has done phenomenal with such a low budget. Um, Yeah. You can... You can talk about this movie that really put DreamWorks on the map.
2: Oh, for sure.
4: Um, right. I mean, yeah. Did you? Did did we want to? I mean,
0: like, of course. Like, you can't talk about DreamWorks without talking about Shrek. Right. Um,
1: Absolutely.
0: And like, I mean, um, the, even to the point, you know, and and this is timely too, right? Um, you know, in the last couple of days, they announced that they're making a Shrek 5. Um, you know, it's coming out in 2025. Um, and, you know, what, you know, what, what does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? I'm sure it's going to do, it's going to move, it's
2: going to move numbers. Um, but it's just, you know, Shrek, Shrek came out,
0: um, Shrek came out at just the right time, I think. Right. Um, you know, there, there are some movies that are such cultural touchstones um, because they just came out, you know, at the right cultural moment, at the right cultural time. I think, for example, like, you know, you think of the Batman trilogy, right? Tristan Nolan's Batman trilogy. Uh-huh. You think about this past summer, you know, Barbenheimer, um, where it it was like Shrek was more than just like a movie. It was a cultural touchstone,
4: right? right? Like,
0: like everybody, it's such a Shrek is such a part of Americana. Um, and it's just so iconic, right? Like I I think people, especially people in, in our generation, Mike, um, look at this movie with, which, with so much fondness, um, mm-hmm. I I think it, it it truly was, you know the 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 first it, and you know I I might be wrong I you know I don't you know I don't have an exact science to this, but it definitely felt like the first kind of adult animated film that came out, right? Right. Like, like we wouldn't have Futurama, we wouldn't have Family Guy, we wouldn't have you know, all these things, I mean, without, of course, The Simpsons, but, you know, Shrek, Shrek went a long way into showing that you can create these things and, but make it for, like, a, a, a large mass, mass audience. Yeah. And, you know, it's, um... I mean, if you—I mean, do you do you have time for me to get into it? Like, what? Uh, what did you have something you wanted to to, to share before well, I start
1: deep diving? You know, well, you know, Shrek is one of those movies that I feel like was written around the actors. Sure. Because the actors are what make or break this movie. And I mean, if you've ever read the Shrek that was based on the book. The book seems boring compared to what we got in the movie. (laughs) Sure. And kind of like written, like drawn very shoddily compared to like the beauty of, which is Trek. So, like, whoever was in charge of adapting this wrote these characters thinking that Mike Myers, who was hilarious at the time, and Eddie Murphy were going to be in this movie. Like, they wrote it with their spirit, their personality in mind and i feel like that's what ignited the story i mean like you can't it's it's one of those things where if you took out eddie murphy and mike myers and i don't know added any even another comedian like it would it would not do as well right Right, like maybe Jack Black could do Shrek, but I don't know there was something there was something about using Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy, and just having fun with the fantasy behind this that just worked <laughs> so well, like that
2: chemistry is there yeah for for sure, I mean, um, totally, totally agree.
0: Um, however, I mean, I, um, I mean, you, you touched on some things that, um, you know, I, I was going to get to, but yeah, so there's, you know, there's a book, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of common knowledge now that it's, it, you know, it's based on this weird kind of wacky pseudo, um, you know, kids fairy tale novel about Shrek the Ogre. Um, uh-huh. but did you know that this, uh, that the film, was originally so Steven Spielberg originally bought the rights um to the book in 1991 um yeah. and he shopped around something with uh John Williams um to to start on the project and they started developing Shrek in 1995 um oh. and and originally it wasn't with I mean it it seems crazy you know Myers seems like the obvious choice but it originally was Casted with Chris Farley in mind, and oh. and Chris Farley actually um recorded most of the required dialogue for mm-hmm. the the film before he passed away in 1997. Um, and so because he passed away before the film was complete, they kind of had they they went on a bit of a hiatus, and then they yeah. recasted Myers to replace him. And, um, when Farley was doing, you know, the, the, the vocal animation or the vocal recording for it, he
4: Mm -hmm. didn't
0: do it with a Scottish accent. That was totally Mike Myers. Right. That was his, that's what he brought to it. Um, and the film was originally supposed to be, you know, done in motion capture. Um, but they then decided to just do, um, animation. Um, but yeah, so I mean more just like nitty-gritty stuff before um I get to, to you know to to really talking about it. Um uh, it was uh it was so well received um and so in 2001 at the Cannes uh Film Festival, um it was the one of the first animated films since Disney's uh Disney's Peter Pan movie um to get shown there. Right. Um and uh it grossed uh, four hundred and ninety-one million dollars in two thousand and one. You know, I don't. I don't even want to know what that exchange rate to nowadays. It's 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 right. probably a lot of money. It's it's a it. Yeah, it. I think the the official term is a metric crap ton.
4: Um, yes, <laughs>
0: and uh, so it was the the fourth highest grossing film. In 2001. Do you want to know what it was behind?
1: What was it behind?
0: Number one was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Okay. Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship
2: of the Ring. Uh
4: uh-huh. hmm
2: Monsters, Inc.
1: And Shrek. Oof! wow. Right? That was a golden age for movies. Right? I mean, right. and
0: Monsters, Monsters, Inc. only beat it, uh, only beat it out by like 100 million. <laughs> oh, my Right. Um, but you want to do you want to hear what Shrek beat out? What did it beat out? It beat out Ocean's 11 by sure. like 30 million. Uh, it beat out Pearl Harbor. Thank it beat God. out uh The Mummy Returns, Jurassic Park 3, Planet of the
2: Apes and Hannibal. Ooh. That
1: sounds like a really great like Binge. Right. If you started at number 10 and made your way to number one. I
3: mean,
1: uh, <laughs> Adam, uh, you want to come to my house and watch 10 movies? <laughs>
0: and such whiplash, it feels like. That's so funny.
4: Yeah. Um,
0: what a list. Um, uh, some more nitty gritty. Uh, mm-hmm. Shrek was nominated for their uh, Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay and it also won the first ever academy award for best animated feature um oh, wow. and it earned uh six noms at the baftas and it won at the baftas for best adapted screenplay and of course there's you know uh, a million billion shrek movies and spin-offs right shrek 2 shrek the Third, shrek forever and then it's got the spin-offs the puss in boots um And you know, the the, the hits kept on rolling. Uh, and Shrek Shrek 2 on a budget of 150 million made 935 million dollars, right? In in 2004, (laughs) like, so that's an astronomical amount of money.
1: So, I wonder, like, I know we're all excited that the Mario movie broke a billion, Mm -hmm. but like. Where in the world was the praise for Shrek Two when it almost reached a billion like how many right. how many animated features are getting nine hundred billion or sorry, right. sorry nine hundred million it right. can't be that
2: many right it's you know it you know and you know with the the exchange
0: rate. You know, it, it probably made almost two billion dollars in the exchange rate. Um mm. you know, from then to now. And you know, even you know Shrek the third, which some might say is a, a bit of a step down, you know, only yeah. made eight hundred and thirteen million dollars. Right.
1: That's the one with Justin Timberlake, which I thought he did a great job. Yeah, no, it's it it's it's
0: you know, very solid. Um and I think John Cleese is also in it too. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. Um, uh, the, you know, the, the amount of money and the voice cast again, you know, we, we mentioned the, we, we name dropped um, plenty of people, right? Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, Cameron Diaz, you know, John Lithgow. Um, yeah. it And it also was just, um, it was one of those, perfect um those movies that really captured the um we'll get the kids with the the funny animations but we'll we'll drop in enough references for the the adults to catch on right um and uh you know and it, it also just you know was so referential to you know to, to, to so many things right like they you know i i always think of the uh that like princess fiona matrix fight scene yeah um or you know at the end of the movie when gingy is like
1: god bless us everyone right right um i don't know for for some reason i i absolutely love the dark humor of princess fiona singing a song with a bird so that it explodes (laughs) (laughs) like that just that's like who who thinks of that? That's like that's like l- watching a Disney movie and this like having only dark and evil thoughts while you watch it. But in a a funny way, right? Yeah, <laughs> like not in a weird
0: gritty way, but like in a funny oh that was dark kind of way.
1: I mean, yeah, like I really enjoy. Thank you for going there, kind of dark.
0: <laughs> right, right. You know the you know the 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 thoughts that you're not supposed to have. I mean. They went so far as to even just, um, they did a parody of It's a Small World. like,
1: <laughs> Right.
0: Um, Yeah, so like, yeah. And I, again, I, I think everybody knows this, right? But, you know, this movie was made by, by people that definitely felt like they didn't get any respect from Disney. So a lot of the, the references and things that they did was definitely a, a big old middle finger to, you know, the, that Florida company. Um, Right, and yeah, so they, it, it definitely felt like, um, and I, I think that that's part of the reason I think it resonated so well. I think it's the, it's spirit matched the, the spirit of the generation that was watching it. Um, you know, the, you know, the, the Gen Xers that were, you know, into the you know into the you know the later parts of their 20s into their 30s and you know millennials like myself um that were you know approaching you know uh you know a teenagerhood um yeah so it it just really captured the spirit of the time i think and um
4: mm-hmm.
0: you know i like to me the things that are inexhaustibly linked um at that time is just like when i when i think of that time period is is shrek doing the de- the degeneration x cro- cross chop and drinking <laughs> volt soda right like those are, those three things are just just drilled yes. into my consciousness from that time period like that's all that i remember and um yeah so it's just like yeah it, it just captured the 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 spirit of 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 that of that time and um But yeah, I, I really do think that this is such a, um, a movie that is, um, so important. Uh, I, I, I think it was, um, also the, you know, the first time that a movie like this, um, Mm -hmm. was put out there. Right. Right. You look at, you look at the movie that came out at the, the same time put out there by Disney Monsters Inc right like it's mm-hmm. don't get me wrong it's an incredibly good movie wonderful movie right um but they're just you know I, I think people have been chasing the high of
2: shrek now right, right? um right and
1: i mean the the meme like legacy parody. alone just oh. yeah is amazing
0: it, it it feels like every single line in every single scene in shrek there's a meme. Yeah. It, it I mean even like the soundtrack perfect.
1: Yeah, can we talk about the soundtrack for a second? Yeah, let's because do it. Because I th- I feel like I feel I feel like like the Shrek wanted to go for that more adult feel. Yeah. So they they made like this eclectic mix of songs. Yeah. Um, you know, of course you have that smash mouth hit All Star. Right. Which the the person who invented that song has <laughs> so many arguments on Twitter saying that he made that song not for Shrek, it was before Shrek. And but, but then... I mean yeah, like <laughs>
0: that that scene of him just bursting out of the thing and that hitting, like that
1: yeah. like yeah,
0: the serotonin from that alone.
1: Right. And okay, so Joan Jett has a bad yeah. reputation on the album. <laughs> yeah. Uh, B- Baja Men has seen <laughs> best years of our life. Um, it is You. I have loved Harry Greg Williamson. Not sure who that is. Um, I'm a believer. Neil Diamond, Smash Mouth, of course. Incredible. Um, and then you have this song by The Eels, My Beloved Monster. When, mm. Now, The Eels is like a depression and suicide band that, like, sings it in, a, like, a whimsical, kind of, very dark way. Mm-hmm. So I am so surprised. I used to have an Eels album, and, man, those those guys were weird and yeah. very depressed. And somehow their song made it onto this album. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's so good. I mean, it you know, even into, the like, Shrek 2, when the Fairy Godmother is singing I Need a Hero, and, like, Jinji is, like fighting with them as they're trying to like get through the castle and it's just yeah it, yeah the the musical score alone i mean that that sequence of you know shrek like shrek wrestling um with lord Farquaad's men and he's like some of you may die and that's the risk i'm willing to take and then he like wrestles all his dudes and i'm like yes this is everything that i want from a movie you know it, it, it was yeah it, it just felt perfect right like every choice was so intentional and so purposeful and and nothing nothing in that movie like even looking back on it you would expect to be like oh this feels corny or this feels dated and you know you watch shrek again and it still feels fresh it still feels you know there there's no cringe there's no corniness to it cuz it just felt so everything just felt important and intentional and there was nothing right. there was, you know, there was no excess. It was just everything that they wanted to get put in there was purposeful with meaning. And it, it you know, it, it, it's just, it's perfect. It's so good.
1: Right. And I feel like this was like the beginning and the end of Mike Myers career. Like he did right. so well, like he was known for so, so much. You know Austin yeah. Powers,
0: mm.
1: um, SNL, you know, SNL. So I Married an Axe Murder. Mm. Um, you know he does Shrek. People love it. They can't get enough. It's the anti-Disney. It's the mm. punk rock to the pop music of today. Yeah, and you know he skyrockets to four Shrek movies, and then the the only thing he can come up with later is the Love Guru. Which wins like a, a Razzie, and then there's <laughs> there's not much else you can think of, right? That, that
0: you know, for the rest of his career, he's just like showing up in you know at, at cameos in cameos and random movies.
1: Yeah, like he was the the manager in the the Queen movie about Freddie Mercury, and <laughs>
0: right, right. Or he he shows up in the Glorious Bastards, right? It's just like right.
1: You know, it's just, it's so weird how this movie skyrocketed him, and then, like, the logical conclusion is he should be in 10 more great movies, but instead, like, it it kind of ended his career. He couldn't get, like, he couldn't, he couldn't get back to that high. Or maybe he didn't want to, you know, those Canadian actors, we don't really know that they think, you know. Right? I mean, they just they made he
0: made, he made probably so much money on the first 3 Shrek movies alone. Like right. I don't I don't even want to And on royalties. I mean, he wouldn't have to, right? Like Right. He could he could just he could just retire. Um
1: he, he probably gets a dollar for every time someone sings Smash Mouth. I mean, <laughs> <laughs>
0: true that true that yeah um but yeah no so 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 for me I, and uh, i guess personally what shrek represents for me is um my adolescence right my right. i remember one of my first uh birthday parties that i ever had we i got like this vhs of of shrek and i had a bunch of my friends over we had pizza, we drank Mountain Dew, and we watched Shrek and we then beat each other up in the basement with Rock'em or with uh, what are the sock'em boppers. Like that yeah. was right, like that was my ten year old birthday party. Right. Um and yeah, so like that's you know, that's what it it represents to, to me. And it, it's such a cultural I, I said this before, but it's like it's such a cultural touchstone and like you can you can quote it and everyone instantly knows what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, you say in the morning, I'm making waffles, and everyone's like, "Ah, ha, ha that's great." You know, right. I, I, I love, I love Shrek. Um, you
1: know, ogres are like, you know, finish that sentence. Onions, right? <laughs>
0: onions, right? Yeah, absolutely. Why can't they be more like parfaits? Right. Um. Yeah, so I mean yeah, it it it's just so so iconic and, and and people just yeah, they immediately know what you're talking about and you reference it and um yeah, and and that's what it means to me. So, so, you know, Mike, what about what about you? Did you how old were you do you think when it when it came out?
1: Well, you know, I was like just going into college, I think or like it was a 2000 movie, wasn't it? So yeah, maybe a senior transitioning to college. You know, I was okay with seeing movies by myself. So I was going to, I think I did it as a birthday treat because it came out around the time. And I sat there and I really, I really enjoyed it. Like, like the jokes were pleasantly surprising. <laughs> you know, and I don't think... Like anyone, I think everyone was following the Disney or Looney Tunes rule, which is, you know, keep it clean, keep it friendly, you know, make them cry. And like Shrek was like the kind of like the punk rock band that like destroyed the hotel room and didn't apologize. You know, they broke all the rules. Right. And so, you know, I, I really appreciated that. And so like I'm really happy that Shrek can be in the conversation
2: for, you know, animated movies. Right. Right for uh, for sure. Um yeah, I mean,
0: I you know, I don't have, you know, I don't have too much more to say about Shrek other than, you know, us just gushing about it for the last like 45 minutes or however long. Um, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, it, it, it was just so, it was, yeah, it was so important. And, you know, I, you know, I, I don't think it's, you know, too much to say yeah. that, you know, it, it pushed people like Cameron Diaz and, you know, Eddie Murphy and, and Michael Myers into yeah. the zeitgeist. Like it absolutely exploded them and made them household names. And not to yeah. say that Cameron Diaz and Eddie Murphy weren't famous before, but right. it was, it's, it's just it was different, right? Like, right? like, how do you how do you make a movie that you know grosses a billion dollars in two thousand and one, and you know, and 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 it not make you a a superstar?
1: Yeah, and you know, I really like that it played upon the Disney tropes about yeah. Prince Charming having to be handsome, right? And no, it's Shrek; is an ogre. He's ugly. Oh, but you have to have a beautiful princess. No, actually, Fiona's an ogre, too. Right. And she has to shave her face on a daily basis. <laughs> and it's just, you know, just like, and, you know, it, it, it's kind of like that middle finger we're talking about. Right. To, to Disney, you know, you know, how dare you make the rules the, the about degeneration
0: beauty. Degeneration X. Proc-
1: right. Right.
0: Right. The Degeneration cr- Crotch Chop. Right.
1: Right. And so to Vince McMahon, <laughs> right?
2: Absolutely.
0: So, yeah, totally, totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess the the last thing I want to, you know, leave um our time with Shrek with is um, yeah. It 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 just is like it, it it caught the wave at just the right time,
2: right?
0: Um I, I think if it came out. You know, two years earlier, or you know, one year later. You know, I don't. I don't know if it would have been mm-hmm. um, as successful. And um, right. I, I think it's it's something that has been, you know, it's a high that I think studios are trying to chase still. And um, yeah. I I I just nothing. Nothing can come close to how, um how perfect that movie was.
1: Yeah. And as you said before, it was supposed to be for Chris Farley, but who knows how he right. would have handled the character. If this movie would have still been in the conversation. Right. Right. Like it might've felt different. Right. And looked different too. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Who, who
0: knows who knows, but yeah, it, it was, you know, it's a perfect storm. And, um, I think it's also so huge that even like even the fact that kids now still know who Shrek is and it's still relevant enough to get a fifth movie and um yeah its it's it's just yeah it's 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 almost humbling right? It's, right it's one of those things where you're like, oh yeah, like this is this yeah. is an important cultural thing, and um yeah, it's really cool to see.
1: Yeah, I like that Shrek is a dank meme, like more than anything. It's kind of like a meta joke where the joke is that, like, Shrek is everything and yet it's nothing. Like, right. that awkward moment when you walk out of your house without your wallet and your Shrek 2 DVD <laughs> that's a meme. And it's right. like, it's like, it's that stoner comedy at its best. It's like nihilism. But it's like Shrek too. Yeah. Right.
0: Right. For for sure. And yeah, it's yeah, it it it's perfect. Um Yeah. Yeah, it, it just captures that, you know, um postmodern Zeitgeist middle finger to the man. I'm not gonna do what you're gonna tell me. Uh yeah, it it, it just yeah, it it was released in a perfect cultural moment
2: right so to
1: piggyback off that (laughs) yes right so my homework assignment was to see how to train your dragon 2 i wanted to see the second one Mm -hmm. because it had 145 million budget but it made 614 million i believe it's the highest grossing how to train your dragon with the third one being 521 million, and I don't, and there's a new one coming out, and you know who knows. The trend shows that uh, number two was in its glory, and the other ones couldn't quite catch up to it. So I wanted to know what made two so good. So I did a deep dive, and the person behind uh, this movie is Dean DeBlois. He When he wrote it, um, he was asked to make it, but he said, I'll only make it if you can make it a trilogy. And they said, yes, you can make this movie into a trilogy. And when he made number two, he was deeply inspired by everyone's favorite Star Wars movie, The Empire Strikes Back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So when people are seeing it, I truly believe they're getting the same feels that they got from Star Wars Episode Five. And you can even see it with the way they use, like, you know, the ice the ice island and you know, the the huge monsters and you know, even the way people lose limbs and talk about the limbs that they lost in that movie. Yeah. Kind of give echoes. Right. So I can I can definitely see while people were were getting like super duper excited mm. about this movie and why why it hit so well.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, um Mm-hmm. Go ahead.
1: Well, I just wanted to say that uh you know when I first saw it, it did this movie did something like kind of strange, and that is it gives you like the beginning of the movie is kind of like breakneck speed into the plot. Like mm-hmm. you know, you see the you see the dragons doing a race, and then the like they jet you into like almost the main bad guy. Um that i forget who that bag like he's you know the dragon catchers and then they go right into like the big plot which is like we got to stop the dragon catchers we got to bring peace to everyone (laughs) and then after that they slow the movie down and like help you get to know the characters right which seems kind of backwards it seems like no, in Disney fashion, you need to fall in love with all the characters, and then we can talk about the plot. But you know, this is a sequel, so people were like, "Yeah, we already know what we right. like about this movie." Like uh, the the actor Jay Baruchel, Baruchel, yeah, 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 yeah. He does a great job with Hiccup. Um, one thing I did notice, and it actually backs up. Is that the animation is so much it has these subtle nuances and facial features that have improved yeah. highly over the the first one, like you'll see little creases and smirks like m- right movement in cheek muscles, and it's they were using a new tech a new program called Primo and Torch oh, and so I really appreciated that like you could see it like in the dragon's face and toothless's face like these like ultra realistic like little micro motions and I'm like oh you know that that makes me very impressed.
4: Mm.
2: Yeah. Also yeah. Mm.
1: you know how to train your dragon I think I know why adults like it. Mm-hmm. Because it's not trying it's it's not trying to like they don't make the dragons fart. You know, right, and they you know the dragons aren't sneezing on people, and you know it's not like that humor, but you know the the average six to ten year old loves it because you know it's freaking dragons that you get to ride, and right. each one of those dragons has a special power right and Adam, this is Vikings too and and there's magicians and a fire sword so. <laughs> It's like right. everything it's and like And Star Wars and Star Wars so like people love how to train your dragon because it's just it's everything cool. Mm. And you know, my my uh comparison is like this is what an eight year old thinks Skyrim was. Sure, <laughs> you know, yeah. they watch their brother play Skyrim and they're like, Yeah, yeah, you know, you could do is what it was like. and, Yeah. Yeah. So and and 100%. I often, you know, as I'm watching it, I'm like, man, I really wish Skyrim even had ten percent of what this was. For sure. Yeah,
0: I, I definitely agree. I I think part of what makes those movies so great, I think is one the the score in it is beautiful. Right. Um it's haunting, it's so great, so wonderful. Um they they like somehow capture the physical sensation of flying with music. Right. Uh I don't, I don't I don't I don't know how what kind of witchcraft and wizardry they're doing, but they do it. Um but yeah, it it's exactly like what you're saying like it feels like every imaginary high fantasy battle I ever had in my backyard with my brother right. and my cousins. And it was, like, the like perfect, perfect mashup back. of, like, Lord of the Rings and Narnia and, you know, Aragon and, you know,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It, it, it really does, it, yeah, it feels like every 10-year-old's summer vacation epic fantasy battle simulator with a stick in your backyard comes to right. life.
1: Yeah. One, th- one thing I notice is that the dragon design is very interesting. Yeah, like they don't they don't go with the typical dragon, you know, long nose. Right. Looks like you know black cauldron kind of dragons. Right. Like these these dragons have like flat faces and kind of like goofy overbites. Right. Yet that kind of like adds to the, it, it adds to the theme that they're trying to go for. Right.
0: Like right. These, and it's very Pixar or not. Yeah. Very, it's it's like very anti Pixar. Like it's very um is what i meant to say it's like very um dreamworks in the fact that they're like all of these characters are kind of wacky and unique and they're kind of outcast but like what makes them individuals is what makes them
2: wonderful right and yeah one thing i i noticed that like
1: i think disney may have borrowed mm And they're turning red, or maybe inadvertently borrowed, but there's a a character, like this young girl, Mm -hmm. who just has like the hots for all Viking men and boys. Yeah. And, you know, every time there's one that has rippling muscles, she just kind of goes gaga. And, you know, we saw that joke in Turning Red with, you know, when the girls see like high school boys. Right. But I kind of like, man, I, I think how to train your dragon, like, they. They did the joke better and first, so <laughs> right. And I I think this is uh,
0: one of those examples of the sequel being better than the original. Um,
1: yeah. But in a positive way, like the the first one. Have you seen the first one, Mike? Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to remember like what the big plot was. Like there was a corrupted dragon that was making all of them very cranky, and they right once they killed that guy, dragons were nice again right right yeah um yeah like
0: the first one is just definitely more um it it feels like you know something for you know an 8 to 12 year old well
3: mm-hmm. the
0: second one not only do the characters grow up but it feels like the plot grows up too and it feels like oh now it's for like you know 10 to 14 year olds
4: yeah
0: um and uh yeah so it it, it definitely matures i think with the the audience which is awesome um but yeah Mm -hmm. it's like you were saying like it it deals with like a lot of these like coming of age puberty right awkwardness teenager things but in a way that's not cringe
1: Mm. (laughs) right it's 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 funny and relatable right and you know I, I can easily say that this is my favorite Viking piece and I don't know if that it, it means I don't appreciate real Vikings, but like that's what real Vikings are to me. Yeah. They're pretty yeah. much right. <laughs>
0: right. For sure. Um, yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with um, how great of a job the, the director and the acting team did to make each of the characters in the world feel so lived in. Um, yeah. cause it could have been very easy to just been like, and I think this is the problem with the avatar movies, like the blue people,
2: um, yeah.
0: where it's like this big lush and beautiful world, but it just doesn't feel lived in. Um, it just feels kind of like empty and like, like you don't really care about any of the characters, the background characters. You're just like, okay, whatever. Um, right. But instead, you're like you care about each of the characters. You care about the village. You care about you know each of the relationships. It's like you know you would be devastated if one of the side dragons you know <laughs> were to to pass away because they're you know they might not be the most important person, but they are a part of this living world and they they all feel important. And I think the cast has a lot to do with it. I think the cast is brilliant. Um, You know, yeah. we talked about. Um, Jay already, but you know, Kate Blanchett, Gerard Butler, Craig Ferguson, American yeah. Fer- Ferreira, Jonah Hill, Christopher Mintz Plass, Kristen right. Wiig, TJ Miller, Kit Harrington's in it. So, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's they, they all just do an awesome job of like bringing this world to life,
1: right? And there's one thing that, uh, fun fact you know, Chris Ferguson or Craig Ferguson. Um, he is there's this one line where uh they're talking about the joys of marriage, and the Craig Ferguson is kind of like the wingman of the dad. Mm. Um, and Craig Ferguson says, uh, You know, arguing is the reason I didn't get married, and then he ad libs, and that other thing. And the minute he said that, the director's like, Yep, this character's gay. <laughs> Like on the spot he decided that that was the that was going to be it cuz he ad-libbed that line. Right. Uh, so I just think that's that's hilarious. Right. Um, but um yeah yeah. Well, Continue. one thing I wanted to talk about and mm-hmm. I really really appreciated the fact that like they heightened the story. Well, first of all, like the movie kind of centers on the chemistry between Toothless and Hiccup. And how they're inseparable, kind of like an Ash and Pikachu type thing, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, but then like there's that there's that scene where the the head, you know, the giant dragon Alpha male mm-hmm. just totally like uses hypnotic powers to control all the dragons, mm-hmm. and you know, you you see a. Uh, toothless kind of turn on his turn on hiccup and like about to kill him but then the dad jumps in front of him and the, he loses yeah. the dad yeah and part of me is like well, you know you mufasa <laughs> the dad but right. like i really appreciate it because this movie needed something to heighten it needed right. something to gamble right so and i'm i'm super glad it went there because Like, just, you know, talking about sacrifice and what it means and how that impacts the hero. And, like, scenes right before that, the sacrifice, the mom and dad, like, just reunited. Mm. And they're talking about, oh, we're going to have such a great future together. You know, they're talking about, like, how they're going to live together and how all is forgiven, you know and and it's just like i didn't see it coming because i you know it's a kids movie they're like oh i guess the parents are being together mm. no they're setting us up for the death of the dad right yeah right
0: and you know it's just the and it doesn't feel like a cheap throwaway thing to just for right. just for the shock value like there's such an emotional payout and development for the characters cuz you're like that's the ultimate test of their relationship, right? Like, we've, you know, we've spent, you know, so long, you know, with, you know, the first movie and, like, you know, two-thirds of this movie, you know, falling in love with these two characters as they fall in love, and you're like, of course, like, you would sacrifice your life for your best friend, right? Like, that's
4: Mm -hmm. a
0: trope time and time again. But like, you sacrifice your dad for your best friend. Right. That's that's the question. And yeah, it's it the the payoff from it is it's it's wonderful. It's so good.
1: Right. So, you know, I have to give it. I have to give it to DreamWorks that like. Yeah. They can be edgy and they can be cool. And. You know, ever so often. You, you, I mean sometimes you get you get the talking animals and you know being silly and then <laughs> right. you know boom you get like over the hedge right and which is sassy animals to Ben Folds <laughs> five music hey right. or you know but then you have to sit through a lot of like B movies kung fu panda okay all right all right shrek forever okay oh, we're awesome madagascar 3 blah, 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 blah. Ma, you right. know mega mind oh man awesome so it's like mm it's like dreamworks wants like they really want the money from the 8 to 6 to 8 year olds you know right you know entertain the kids rule the world um but you know but secretly you know they want to put something out that's clever and you know is is cool
2: for sure and
1: so i feel like the madagascars and boss babies of the world are what's funding the Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and How to Train Your Dragons of the World. Right. Right.
0: You know, and it it feels like they do it to, like, a five-to-one ratio, right? They do, like, five goofy movies, and then they'll do, like, Abominable. Um, Right. You know, where it's just like this. And I, I, you know, pulling back the curtain a little bit, that was something that you were going to try and watch
1: for, yeah, I'm so disappointed it, it's not on Peacock.
0: It's it's so good. And um I think one of the, the coolest things about it being uh, a person that is half Filipino, um mm-hmm. there's not like a a ton of movies out there with Asian, you know, with Asian casts.
1: You know, right. and
0: Abominable um has that and it's not in a a weird, awkward like way it it it. i was like oh like i you know there's a family there an asian family there of course and mm-hmm. i was like oh yeah that like that that their family dynamic is similar to like how my experience growing up with an asian parent and yes. the, the the values and the traditions and you know the things that we we you know we value as part of our culture and it was so cool to be able to see that so it's like you know Dreamworks does that but then they also do you know uh, you know Boss Baby um right
1: <laughs> so
0: yeah it, it's you know it's it's they're interesting
1: Dreamworks yeah. I mean this is a criticism that I think Pixar found but like 90% of these movies are on Anglo-Saxons right um with the exception of Abominable Kung Fu Panda 2 and, uh, and maybe nope, maybe Prince of Egypt did that I have mean, any real Jewish people in it? I don't know. I mean, they're Egyptian, right? Right. <laughs> Sinbad, so, don't forget Sinbad. Oh, Antonio Banderas is in Puss in Boots, so he does represent, but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it... yeah. I mean, as far as Asian population, you know it's it's coming back not as fast in other movies but like like is anyone still talking about maya and the dragon i mean that was a pixar film that no one really talks about and you know turning red uh talks mm. about you know the asian population that lives in toronto which is like a huge subset of culture yeah um and i i hope that uh DreamWorks can, can find that diversity too. Right. For sure. For sure. Though so I do love their Vikings
2: and.
0: Yeah, no, for, for sure. So, I mean, Mike, um, yeah. Uh, overall, would you, would you say that you enjoyed your, your, your viewing experience for, for how to train Dragon? It seems like you had a positive experience.
1: Yeah, you know, I didn't see, I didn't see it at the first. Yeah. But like the the Star Wars episode 5 kind mm. of makes sense. Like right. It's 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 got like sequel energy. Right. It feels feels better than the original. Mhm. Like it it didn't feel anything like groundbreaking like man, I, I really want to like this reinvents the wheel. But right. at the same time, it made me think, man, yeah, uh, you know, I really want to see the third movie now.
0: Yeah, for sure. Totally, totally agree. Um, yeah. So overall, um, you know, you know, this episode was about DreamWorks. We 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 did a deep dive on on two of their movies. But, um, how do you, you know, and, you know, I I know you, Mike, and what you mm-hmm. prefer and like how you fall on the uh you know of course you're always going to reach them to the bottom shelf but right um you know does does dreamworks does it have a serious claim to the to the top
1: i mean absolutely i mean we talked about the one out of five ratios sure you know you know for every monsters versus aliens there's five boss babies or <laughs> you know whatever right um which is hard, and you know, just looking at the numbers, Ruby Gilman trolls band together what they got out um, right. makes it seem like that DreamWorks is kind of their their method of making silly sequels is not working, or right. trying to or trying to break into the the teenage girl demographic isn't working so uh, on the horizon, we do see o- Orion and the Dark, which is a really cool concept about a child who's afraid of the dark, and he has to befriend like the living embodiment of darkness, mm. and, and this this friend is going to help him get over all his fears. Like that, that feels like it's going to get like into deep, you know, heart wrenching philosophy and you know all the feels. Yeah. But of course we're also getting a Shrek 5 and a How to Train Your Dragon 4 and <laughs> so yeah, yeah my my hats go off to that and you know it's it's a weird time Adam for animation yeah because Pixar has shown us that every movie has to stand on its own legs and be so significant and change culture and represent everyone and you know and like such high standards mm. and then you got dreamworks that like has a genius idea every right every 5 years or something
0: right right and i i think it's like two kind of approaches right i i think that that pixar takes itself so seriously mm-hmm. um and um and but because it takes itself so seriously that they play it so safe. Yeah. Um, but DreamWorks isn't afraid to be silly and um not that Pixar you know, isn't afraid to be silly, but um Dreamworks doesn't take itself so seriously and they're um yeah, yeah so I, I think that their their approach um is, is slightly different. And but I think equally valid and um I, I think animation has finally come full circle to the point where people are um realizing that it doesn't have to be uh so serious to be taken seriously. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I think up until you know in the last couple of years people are like, Oh, it has to be Lion King or it has to be you right know, how to train your dragon or it has to be moana or the prince of egypt right to to be taken seriously but
1: or or um, it has to be like baby gets peas on his face right exactly has a farting superpower <laughs> right.
0: right um but instead i think people are slowly starting to come on board with the idea of of animation as a medium where just stories can be told and um yeah, or it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be life and death serious, or you know some big, harebrained like personification of death, right? Um, right. Uh, or you know, like you said, it doesn't have to be, you know, lighting <laughs> pooping in a a paper bag and lighting it on fire and leaving it right. and going to someone's house,
4: right? right?
0: Like, um, I think there's a there, there can be a medium and, um. Yeah, I think people are more willing and accepting of of animation as a medium,
1: right? And the fact that you can you only need to spend like 175 million, mm. and out of all the movies that came out for DreamWorks, there's like three that didn't make its money back, right? And some of these movies suck, like. <laughs> Like you wouldn't you wouldn't catch me watching Spirit Untamed, but you know even that made more money than it spent. So, right, um, right. So, like I'm I'm so surprised that companies are not saying, you know, with the success of Spider-Man: Enter the Spider-Verse, like dude, we could do this on nickels on the dollar and make so much money back. Right. Right,
0: and in and, and even the you know dual releasing on in theaters and on streaming, mm-hmm. um, doesn't affect sales. Um, I, people still go to see these things, and right, um, yeah. So I, I think animated movies are the the perfect thing to to do that with. I think they they just have success, and I, I think that's a part of the appeal too. Right, like, um. It's so hard for families to, you know, get, you know, the, all the kids together in the minivan, drive to the movie theater, right. you know, drop a bunch of money on snacks. And then, you know, you sit down and you watch, you know, a bummer of an animated movie. And you're like, well, that sucked.
1: Yeah, um, it's usually the parents that walk away sad.
0: <laughs> right. Um. But, you know, with the streaming thing, like, they watch it and you're like, oh, yeah, the kids really like this. You know, we'll take a flyer on taking them to the movie theater to see this, um, mm-hmm. and you know, kids don't care how many times they see it; they they love it every single time. Um, but yeah, so I I think it's 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 perfect. You know,
1: yeah, I think half of these movies' budgets is how many times parents just play it in the background so that they can get their work done while their kids <laughs> watch sure. it.
0: For sure, yeah. absolutely. Oh man, well I I'm so I mean, right starting to land the plane now but
1: um, yeah yeah i, I just I, wanted to mention it's this so off, great. yeah this off comment that
4: yeah this
1: whole dreamworks thing started with ants yeah and i can't believe that such a lackluster <laughs> knockoff of bug's life <laughs> is what started Fun. uh steven spielberg's like this is his baby right dreamworks is kind of his baby
0: kind of sort of yeah something like that
1: yeah but like he he took it like he's like the grand opening is ants right what well,
0: it's and there's so much whiplash even in that right like it's it's like okay we're going to do ants then prince of egypt <laughs> then right. road to el dorado then chicken, chicken run, run and then shrek
3: <laughs> just like what is happening
1: right, right. Which means that uh, DreamWorks probably isn't picky about their scripts.
0: Mm. They just know a good one when they see it, unless it's Shark right. Tale,
1: right? <laughs> unless it's Shark Tale, which that's that's the made, worst one, right? <laughs> and it made six times its budget, so <laughs> that's so, so that's so bad, <laughs> right? So I I don't understand it, but mm. I'm gonna start learning how to animate things. Right, I'm gonna make sure. you know poop lemmings three. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't make that the couple... plot to Captain Underpants? Pretty much, but that made three times its worth too. <laughs> so...
3: <laughs> they make I'm...
1: so much money. I know it's it's ridiculous, and I hate it and love it at the same time. <laughs> um, but Adam, oh, this is yeah. kind of like a teaser, a teaser trailer, yeah. but. Yes. Um, Something that belongs in the conversation. Yes. um, Is Laika Studios, Mm. which gave us Coraline and Kubo, Mm -hmm. and The Missing Link. Um, That's an animation company,
4: Right,
3: right? That
1: I think is like as you we often say, criminally underrated. For sure. But it's it's worth talking about in future episodes. Yeah, we should definitely talk about it um yeah totally um
0: yeah it's it's so unique and the stories that they choose to tell are so cool and each of those animation animated movies are so unique in their story but you could you could feel the similarities in the animation style even though they're so stylistically different so yeah no totally i would love to do a an episode on them someday all right
1: well, then, thank you for joining us, uh, RetroLogic Network, and all of our fans. Um, yeah, my name is Mike, and thank you for joining us.
2: I'm Adam. Pleasure to be here. All right. See you next time. Wow.